Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on international due diligence investigations, finding the needle in the corporate haystack. This series is sponsored by Infortal Worldwide. Established in 1985, Infortal Worldwide has conducted over 2 million investigations globally. Infortal specializes in investigations for FCPA vendor risk management, mergers and acquisitions, transactions, board due diligence, and screening of executives internationally, in addition to routine background checks. Infortal has implemented, tried, and tested methodologies combined with new tools to reveal 30% more hidden and undisclosed information other than investigations. For more information, check out their website, www.infortal.com. Over the next five podcasts, we will be exploring such issues as when basic due diligence is no longer enough, given some recent government, FCPA, and international anti-corruption enforcement actions, what do CCOs need to know and want to know, what is and what is not working in due diligence investigations today, M&A successor liability issues, reputational damage, how they might be avoided by more robust investigative due diligence. And finally, with the changes in global policies regarding data privacy, the changes in technology with AI, what are some of the innovations and progress we will see in, in investigative due diligence going forward? Throughout this series, I am joined by Candace Tao. Candace is the founder, founder and CEO of Infertile Worldwide. I know you will find this series useful and instructive. The series on international due diligence investigations, finding the needle in the corporate haystack, is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello again, this is Tom Fox, back for our five-part exploration of international due diligence investigations and finding needles in corporate haystacks. I'm back again with Candace Tao, the founder and CEO of Infratal. And today, in this episode, we're going to take up something near and dear to my heart, which is uh, enforcement actions. And given the recent enforcement actions, and really that have not just recent, but literally over the past 10 years since I've been in this space, what do CCOs want to know? And more importantly, what do they need to know? So Candace, uh, first of all, welcome back and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks, Tom. So Candace, uh, if there's one mainstay that probably both you and I have observed in our careers in this space, it is continually that there are enforcement actions involving companies that have not performed uh, sufficient due diligence, adequate due diligence, or even inadequate due diligence. So how can we improve the process without breaking the bank? That's a wonderful question. So um, most companies, as we have um, described briefly, perform level one due diligence. And again, we're talking here about uh, investigative due diligence rather than other forms of due diligence that companies need to consider in order to be compliant with the FCPA. So most um, level one due diligence provides very limited information. Let me give you some context for that, Tom. Typically in level one, we see companies typically find less than 1%, can you believe that? Less than 1% of the issues that are out there. And we do know that 90% of the enforcement actions are 
um, against companies have been regarding third-party um, third vendors. So if you're only finding 1% or even less than 1% of those parties, I would say that you're not finding the needle in the haystack most of the time. <laughs> and so CCOs would be concerned about that, of course, as they should be. And so, however, if they have three, four, five hundred thousand uh, third parties in their supply chain, it can be a very daunting task. Uh, although I would say that probably most companies, I think, have seen some figures that show that the average uh, company has about 5,000 vendors or 5,000 third parties. Still, if you're looking at risk ranking of, that, of those kind of numbers, and you're finding less than 1% issues, and for CCOs, they can measure that pretty effectively um, themselves, then they're going to be missing a great deal of information about bribery corruption in their corporate supply chain. And that, of course, puts them at great risk for enforcement actions. Candace, how can companies move from uh, a check the box function, or even if it's more, if it's simply a level one, into something that really gives them meaningful results on their due diligence investigations? So, from my perspective, uh, when companies start looking at incorporating um, uh, deep media searches, and we call them deep internet searches, deep media and deep internet are slightly different things. Uh, so deep media is typically looking at um, aggregated data from companies that aggregate millions and millions of uh, digitized records, journals, newspapers, articles, periodicals, that type of thing. And um, when you add that to looking at global watch lists and basic corporate financial information, you may be finding, as, um, instead of 1%, you may be finding 5% of the corruption and bribery-related issues that exist amongst third parties. However, when you further expand that and do a deeper level search on um, online, and I'm not talking about adverse, um, adverse keyword searches, those are very limited also, um, you can find as much as 35% of the corruption and bribery related in, uh, information about third parties. And if you parlay that into looking at executives, executive backgrounds, um, going further than routine uh, employment types backgrounds, which would look at as criminal history, maybe civil records, uh, education, employment, that type of thing. Uh, routine um, uh, backgrounds will yield less than 1% issues about executives, but the deeper, uh, the deeper look at um, online searches may yield the uh, as much as 20%. And so if you've got... Uh, hundreds of executives in your organization, you can be pretty confident that somewhere between 10 and 20% of those executives have bribery-related issues or issues in their backgrounds that would you would not want to be responsible for and cause nightmares for boards of directors later on. Candace, how do you deal with uh, the issue of so many red flags whether they're legitimate red flags that have to be cleared, whether they're false positives that have to be cleared, um, and so little time and or budget to deal with them. So um, by breaking out this deep internet search from what is historically be considered deep dive due diligence, when you break that section out, 
deep dive due diligence really gives you a much broader picture and is, is truly deeper uh, and more extensive, looking at all available information about a company or an executive. Um, but if you break out just that one component and add that to the level one or level two, you are going to find a great deal more information. And so that doesn't break the bank. Uh, it might if, you're, if you've got hundreds of thousands of contractors uh, in your supply chain. But I'm talking about the smaller organizations where they might be performing, you know, less than a couple hundred uh, deeper level checks. But this would be an intermediate step. And it doesn't need to break the bank and yet reveals very, very important information uh, to enable a, um, a chief compliance officer or a compliance manager to be more effective in their risk assessments. And I think that's worth a great deal for most organizations. If any way to avoid these massive um, enforcement actions has got to be helpful. Candace, one of the things that uh, we talk about a lot in anti-corruption compliance is risk ranking, mm -hmm. that you need to, to rank your risks and then both uh, manage your risk, but also plan for your risk, investigate your risks, and then strategize around how to ameliorate those risks going forward. Does a risk ranking process also work uh, in the type of due diligence that you uh, advocate? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, I think it helps risk ranking to be more effective um, because, you know, the, the Department of Justice and, uh, and the SEC say very clearly that they, it, they're fine with companies giving a heavier weight, so to speak, to um, their red flag issues. So if it, it's not a one-size-fits-all type of program that they're interested in. So check the box compliance doesn't help you to rank risk very effectively. Um, and part of the reason for that is that it restricts the amount of due diligence that's actually yielded for each um, third party. And so much of the level one due diligence that I see and hear of today and people are talking about widely is really more of a check the box function. And that, it, that does present a lot of problems because uh, companies are operating under a false sense of security that that information is really effectively ranking their risks, and it isn't. Uh, it's just sort of putting a big toe in the water and saying, oh, yeah, did I get bitten or not this time? Um, and so the problem is when corporate compliance officers go to the DOJ and they say, well, you know, we've got this great compliance program, and here are our risks. We've ranked them uh, as effectively as we can. Uh, I think that the department's investigators know that they haven't done a very effective job at ranking their risks. And um, their reading and, and uh, understanding this, the need for this type of investigation and taking the next step, um, just as much as everybody else that, that goes to conferences and attends the workshops and understand what is de, what are the developing criteria in terms of all aspects of compliance programs, but in particular due diligence of third parties, since that's a large part of the uh, enforcement action uh, scenario. And so, for example, how does that actually play out? You may have done um, basic level one due diligence, but you've missed the fact that um, the third party has a director that doesn't have any assets and yet is involved in 
uh, a relationship with your supplier um, where they actually uh, are bribing either um, either bribing foreign officials to get the business that they say that they can yield, or they may be uh, representing a company that doesn't even exist at all. We've seen a lot of enforcement actions recently around issues like that. Um, even astonishingly, um, you know, uh, look at the Vantage drilling issue where one of, one of the directors that they were involved with had no assets at all. In fact, I'm not sure that the uh, drilling company had any actual assets. <laughs> <laughs> How does that even happen today? And yet it does happen. It's happening all the time. We've seen it uh, recently, well, in the last year or so with the developing Theranos scandal where uh, a major reputable company like Walgreens wasn't um, conducting on-the-ground due diligence. You know, they, uh, and that's here in the U.S. They weren't able to see the lab. They were basically not shown the machinery that was supposed to be running the tests. And we all know the uh, end point of that story. So massive um, issues there, not only in the terms of fines and penalties that the regulators might enforce, but also the damage um, to reputation for the company, damage to shareholders from um, losses in the transactions that are recurring, whether they're ba based on bribery or just based on uh, nothing at all. <laughs> There's nothing there. <laughs> There's no substance of any kind. So, you know, the, Companies think that there's that they are covered, and Walgreens has, I'm sure, a very solid compliance program. And yet, in this one particularly high-profile case, they weren't able to go all the way through with the due diligence process. So, Candace, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I've been visiting today with Candace Tao, the founder and CEO of Infertile. We've been taking a look at some recent enforcement actions and also some uh, companies that have been recently in the news around uh, what CCOs want and need for due diligence. I hope you'll join us tomorrow uh, for our next episode, rather, where we take up what is and what is not working in due diligence investigations today. Candace, I, Candace, I look forward to uh, continuing the conversation. Same here, Tom. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for joining me on this episode of International Due Diligence Investigations, Finding the Needle in the Corporate Haystack. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow for our next episode. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact Infertal at their website, which is www.infertal.com. This five-part podcast series has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.